Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The 11th of January, 1993, is when the first ever Raw is War aired live. If you can believe it. If you tune in on Peacock or the WW Network when they take the adverts out, you can get through the whole thing in 45 minutes. Whereas today, it is three hours. It's quite fascinating to watch, though, because these days, WWE is so obsessed with being slick and all polished and having crazy production values. Whereas back in the early 90s... It kind of looks like I put it together. It is also absolutely not the show that it would morph into all these years later. So I was sitting around and thought to myself, why don't I take the retro fist of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for the first ever episode of Raw? So that's what we're going to do right now. Who is the first person we ever see on WWF Raw? I'll give you a minute. That's right, it was Sean Mooney. He makes me happy in my tum-tum because it just hits my nostalgia gland so hard, as does Bobby the Brain Heenan, who also turns up, and he wants to break into the building, but he's not allowed, because for one night only on commentary, he's been replaced by local DJ Rob Bartlett. And I'll just tell you now, if you want to know what the worst thing about the first ever Raw is, it's flubbing Rob Bartlett. You then get the opening titles, which is the most 80s thing you've ever seen in your life, even though this was happening in 1993, and the amount of saxophone in it, well, it's almost criminal. This is where you see the Manhattan Center for the first time, and you're just like, how the hell is this Raw? It looks nothing like it, but we do get welcomed by Vince McMahon. He's joined by Randy Savage and flipping Rob Bartlett, And the first thing that Rob Bartlett says when they're talking about Yokozuna is that he wears a diaper. But let's just get this out of the way right off the bat. This guy is absolutely terrible. Now, I understand what WWE was doing. They were like, oh man, if we bring in a local celebrity, I suppose, he can help with the promotion. But he is so offensive, he is so insulting, and he's just flipping bad. For example, the first match is Zunes versus Coco Beware. And even though he's already torn apart Yoko, he then turns his attention to Beware as he says... I always wondered what happened to Gary Coleman when he grew up. I was like, that's racist. That is actually racist. Somebody get this man off my TV down. Coco Beware also comes out to Owen Hart's music because obviously they were teaming at the time. And I'll tell you this and I'll tell you it straight. This match is absolutely terrible. The thing is though, Yokozuna is such a treat because despite being a 400 pound plus man, he moves around the ring like he's a cat. Like when he hits the rope in order to give Coco Beware a leg drop, It's almost as if he's 200 pounds lighter 
and you just look at him the whole time going, this guy doesn't make any sense. It does make me laugh because, of course, Yoko was Samoan, but the whole time we're like, well, he's a Japanese sumo wrestler. And around about this time is when our friend Rob Bartlett starts saying, hey, Vince, shouldn't he be wearing a bra and look at his ass? This is what I did. I stared off to the distance and I shook my head and I thought to myself, why did I ever get into wrestling? Anywho, this is the slowest thing you'll ever see in your life, but the point was to establish Yokozuna as a massive dominant threat, which is why eventually he wins with the buns I dropped. Now, I am going to give this an up just because I like Yokozuna so much, but seriously, that finishing move was never the best finisher because he'd climb to the second rope and he'd take his bum and he'd squash you, but it was quite clear he'd never actually touch you. However, that's better than the alternative because he probably would have crushed people's ribs. You then get an advert for the Royal Rumble, and I tell you, memories are a crazy thing, because the production values on this are bad. They're just terrible. Once again, it's like I sat down and tried to put it together, but it was so retro, I was just a three-year-old again. I was like, man, I've got to order that pay-per-view. You then have a ring girl who's just walking around the squared cycle with a sign that says Monday Night Raw, so it's the most 90s thing ever. When Vince McMahon throws to a backstage promo with Bobby Heenan, even though we've already been told that Bobby Heenan is trapped outside. He is here, though, cutting a promo on Mr. Perfect, telling him at the Royal Rumble he's going to introduce him to Narcissist. Now, I'm sure most of you are aware that this was Lex Luger, who would eventually become the Narcissist Lex Luger. But before they use his real name, that's right, they were just going to call him Narcissist. If you do want to see how bad it was, though, just go and watch that Royal Rumble where they say it over and over and over again. I mean, no wonder they changed their mind. To keep it nice and simple, though, nearly everything that Bobby the Brain Heenan does is awesome. Does get enough. The Steiner brothers then come out to the greatest wrestling theme you've ever heard in your life. Like when it came into my ears, I was like, oh, sweet, I've won the Wheel of Fortune. And I realized I wasn't even on the show. Never forget, too, that even back in 1993, Scott Steiner was absolutely jacked. We kind of just associate that with his WCW days, but it's not true. He is ridiculous. Barley is also back to his nonsense because he's legitimately saying, well, I don't know which Steiner brother is who. So it's like, man, why didn't you do your research? And we go back to the production values after this because Howard Finkel is so low in the mix, I couldn't even hear the name of the tag team they were facing. Now, thankfully, the commentators go, oh, it's the executioners. But for a good while, I was just like, oh, I have no idea. This is full on WWF2 as we're distracted on purpose constantly by Doink in the background, who's just mucking around with the fans. But then back in the ring, I was dying of laughter because Rick Steiner is so stiff and so over the top. When he goes to send one of the executioners into the ropes, he throws them so hard, they fall over and they hit the second rope. I was like, man, this stuff's supposed to be predetermined. He then kills the same dude when he throws him into the turnbuckle. Honestly, if you have some friends that are assholes and are like, oh man, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake, show them this match. Steiner is just as bad because he tags him and gets the other guy and drops him on his head with a belly-to-belly suplex. And thankfully, soon after this, you get the Steinerizer and the 1-2-3. But then that game show music starts playing. I was like, man, none of this threads together at all. And that's why I'm giving it up. It was also quite clear that WWF was trying to establish this whole, oh my gosh, anything can happen environment. Because Vince McMahon then freaks out going, oh man, we have to throw back to Sean Mooney because something's happening outside. We then get to Sean though, who's the calmest person in the world. It's like, oh, I guess he didn't get the memo. Also, this is not a big deal. It's just Heenan trying to get in again. But this time, he's dressed like a woman. Once again, Bobby is brilliant with this, although I bet if we give it to anybody else, they wouldn't be able to pull it off. The man just wanted to have a laugh, and he always entertained me. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Things then do get a little bit sad we have a special interview with Reza Ramon. It feels more poignant now, all things considered, but the real takeaway from this is that Reza comes out wearing the greatest shirt you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it looks like a kid's puzzle. He's also going to be facing Bret Hart for the WWF title at the Royal Rumble, and he is just full on character here. He says machismo about 37,000 times. Everybody is Chico. He's throwing his toothpick around the place. He pronounces Hitman as Hitman, which is even better. I just love the guy. He'd also jumped Owen Hart on WWF Saturday programming. So we have a video recap here, but they quite literally just play it over the interview. So all of a sudden, you can't hear anything. And once more, compare that to what they do today. It's almost like it's another company. What hit me the most is that really, this was the closest that Scott Hall would ever get to the WWE title. And if it wasn't for his personal demons, he likely would have won it eventually or in WCW but I am giving it up. It's one interview to another though, because we cut backstage to Tatanka, who wants to tell you about WWF's charity drive for the headlock on hunger. And I need more of this today. People fully in character, shouting at me at charitable causes, because it really made me laugh. Bartlett is then an ass once again, because he's all like Vince McMahon. I don't think Tatanka is a real Native American. I was like, man, I'm gonna rip this guy's head off. When Max Moon is here. Now I'm sure we all know the story of Max Moon, but just to give you some headlines, this is flipping Conan. He is challenging for the intercontinental title though, and do you know who the champion was at the time? Shawn Michaels. This is so early on in the Heartbreak Kid run, he's not even singing his own theme music yet. And I will tell you this, if you do watch this today, it's not gonna blow your mind. When you compare it to everything else on the show, this is like a five-star classic. I mean, Michaels backflips out of a suplex at one point, which may as well be a Spanish fly in 2022. The fans get off their ass, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It was at this moment I noticed the massive Ico Pro in the background. So as always, if you do have some Ico Pro that hasn't disintegrated, please send it to me because I wanna see what it's all about. 
crowd. And yes, then Doink is back and he's wearing this flowery cast thing. I don't know. It then becomes awful though, and you have to experience real pain because Rob Bartlett decides, oh, I think this is a good time to start impersonating Mike Tyson. Now, once again, not only is this offensive, but it goes on forever. Like, even if you found this a little bit funny, eight minutes later, you certainly won't, especially because he is just ignoring the match. I mean, him and Vince McMahon engage in a proper conversation between the owner of WWF and a fake version of Mike Tyson. So you just need to watch it, and I am giving it a down. This finally stops when Max Moon hits a dive to the outside and everybody stops like they've just seen an alien. Although after this, Shawn Michaels does hit Sweet Chim music, but he doesn't go for the cover because it's not his finish. Instead, he hits the Saito suplex to get the win. And shockingly, he would switch these around eventually because that gets no noise at all. So like I say, we would get there in the end. And this is so much better than everything else on the show. You don't get more crazy old school WWF adverts this time for WWF Mania. And it is so retro, it makes me want to watch it. When we get the graphic for our main event, which is actually quite infamous nowadays because it's going to be The Undertaker taking on Damien Demento. Before that though, we get Mean Gene just trying to shill the Raw Prumble pay-per-view as much as he can, while also telling us we're gonna do Shawn Michaels versus Marty Janae for the Intercontinental Championship. Sherry Martell is gonna be at ringside, but whose side is she on? Then go back to HBK in the promo room, even though we've just seen him, and he's all like, oh man, Sherry Martell's gonna be in my corner. When we also go to Marty Janetti, who says, you may think you know Sherry Martell, but I've decided you don't know Sherry Martell. I know Sherry Martell, and she's gonna be in my corner. I was like, Marty, I don't think you should have said anything. Mean Gene also explains the Rumble rules and let us know the likes of Ric Flair, IRS, Bob Backlund, and Mr. Perfect are gonna be in the thing. So of course we then cut to a promo with Mr. Perfect. Now he just says what you would expect, but he has the single worst goatee I've ever seen in my life. To the point at first, I thought he had drunk some milk and forgot to wipe his mouth. I've never seen that on Mr. Perfect before. I don't know what a flub he was doing. You also get Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji cutting one of these and their whole shtick is, who's gonna be able to throw me over the top rope because I'm massive? And fair play to them, they were 100% right. Nobody could, and he won. It was clear that WWE was desperate to get as many buys as they could because this takes up a massive chunk on the show and it ends with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And you know what Hacksaw Jim Duggan used to do, especially in 1993. The camera hit record and he just went, oh, and for some reason it really worked. I'm not kidding though, this is so 90s, I was having the time of my life up. Heenan is then trying to break into the building again, but this time he's a rabbi. He even makes a bagel joke. <laughs> and while I was doing this a little bit, somehow he can get away with murder. Our universes then collide though, because we cut back to Vince McMahon, who says, let's check out what happened recently on the WWF network. Now he was referring to WWF programming and the fact that Kamala had turned on Harvey Whippleman and Kimchi, which by the way is utterly offensive and utterly terrible. But he said WWF network, and as a nerd, I start to react. Given that we do see this footage though, and you remember how bad it was, I'm just going to say the word Kamala and give it a down. We then just cut back to the ring where Damien Demento has just stood there doing this whole, oh, I'm Damien Demento, and it's absolutely terrible. And we screw up The Undertaker's entrance because we get the whole bong bong. But when his music starts, he's already at the corner post. Flood me to disevolve. Even here though, his character just stands out a mile compared to everything else we're seeing. And I do believe this is my favorite version because Paul Bearer is there with the urn and the phenom is obeying everything he does. 
I mean, it's super duper silly, but I like it. Otherwise, this is horrendous. The first move is a face plant and they screw that up. The second is taking Damien Demento's head and throwing it into a turnbuckle and they screw that up. And the third move is fine. It's what will go on to go known as old school. But when The Undertaker does it, it hasn't been established. So nobody makes any noise. Otherwise, Taker just wrecks this guy, obviously, and finishes him off with the tombstone. And we would never see Damien Demento again. Just to underline how awful WWE could be at this time too, Vince McMahon tells us that on next week's episode of Raw, we're going to get a steel cage match between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. And then we just have this interview with Doink. Now, I don't know if this was just some special footage off a VHS or something, but it is so jarring. And then Cross comes out. He's like, oh, Doink, I hate you. I'm going to beat you up. But he doesn't. And then that's just done. It then finally finishes when Bobby Heenan does get into the building, even though this is pointless because he's already missed the thing. Honestly, it should have just ended with Undertaker Studio, I mean, Demento. I'm giving it a down. But even with all that said, it is just fascinating to watch the first ever episode of Raw because it will blow your mind in terms of how much things have evolved and how much things have changed. And you may even sit down with it and go, I prefer this because it did tie into the title. It felt much more Raw. That's why I'm giving it up. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.